Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. I've got a great guest for you. He's been on twice before, making his third appearance. We talk about different things each time he comes on, and today we're going to talk about creatine. Creatine monohydrate is a supplement that is uh, commonly... Uh, misconstrued, maybe. Uh, People don't necessarily quite understand what it does and how it works and if or not, if it is or isn't safe, uh, whether or not it can be used by kids, and the list goes on and on. We're going to answer all those questions. We're also going to tell you some of the really cool and unique benefits of creatine you probably don't know anything about. Uh, We know that it's been used in in athletics for years, but it's not just for bodybuilders. It is for so many others. We're going to talk about what it can do for brain health, what it does as an anti-inflammatory, how it may actually help with autoimmune disease, and cardiovascular wellness. We're even going to talk about what it can do for your skin, your mitochondria, and of course, what it can do for your muscle, which is what it's most commonly known for. I think this is a fascinating conversation, mainly because I think this is something that flies way under the radar for most people that are interested in improving their health. And I'm going to explain along with Nick exactly why we think it needs to be above the radar from here on out. If you have questions about anything you hear, please call my amazing team at Vitality Nutrition. That's 801-292-6662. Or jump on our chat at vitalitynutrition.com. Without further ado, let's get to Nick and talk about creatine. Okay, and now I'd like to welcome back my friend Nick Zemp to the program. Nick, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, you've uh, you've become a, a recurring guest. I've enjoyed each conversation so far, and I anticipate having more uh, down the road. Interesting topic today because we're dealing with something that has been well. You know, I, I joke around a lot with uh, my my listeners that you know I'm old enough to remember when you know this supplement hit the market or whatever. But man, I do remember. I remember. St- like, I don't know why, but it's burned into my mind. I remember holding a bottle of creatine capsules. It was made by a company called Twin Lab, a brand that's barely around anymore. Um, and it was called Creatine Fuel. I'll always remember this. We got it in, and um, this is when I was about 18, I believe. And uh, I was at, I remember the location. I remember the, the section in my store that I was looking at when I was putting it away, trying to figure out where does this go? Uh, you know, after I got it in the order and I didn't know what it was, I'd never heard of creatine before. Um, I don't even remember that this part, I don't remember how we decided to order it in. Maybe a customer had requested it or something like that. I don't remember, but, uh, it was, I put it out on the shelf. I did the amount of research that was, I was capable of doing back there, you know, pre-internet days and all this stuff, trying to figure out what this stuff was called a few reps that I thought, uh, might have some information on it, including the the guy from Twin Lab, and uh, I was pretty fascinated. I thought, man, this stuff sounds pretty interesting, but 
I didn't understand it. I didn't even know, you know, what it was, like where it came from, if it was natural or synthetic or, you know, how it was related to protein or whatever. And then what was wild is it was, I don't know, maybe it was a week, two weeks, three weeks later, we started having people come in for this stuff, asking about it. And it just went crazy after that. It reminds, or I'm reminded of thinking back on the creatine craze, kind of what happened with like CBD over the last few years where you'd never heard of it. And then all of a sudden it was like, everybody's talking about it. And, but creatine has just, it's stayed the course. It's become a very, very popular supplement and has stayed there, but largely in the athletic community, you know, bodybuilders, uh, kids trying to bulk up for football, uh, you know, weight training, that sort of thing. And what I want to accomplish today with your help is to educate my listeners on how creatine actually works, what it does, and why its function inside the body goes way beyond, the benefits go way beyond just strength training and bodybuilding. Definitely, yeah. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So the first thing is I want to debunk a few things. Over the years, from I'll say mostly parents and women, I've had a lot of people ask me, questions or that that believe they have a uh, an understanding of creatine that I've had to kind of re-educate them on we'll say and try and help them understand it a little bit better um, I've heard things like creatine is only for athletes and frankly Nick for years I only ever recommended it to athletes I recommend yeah. it to a much wider range of people now that I understand it better um, a lot of women are concerned that it's going to bulk them up they take creatine they're going to get bulked up because you know, that's why a lot of men take it. And, uh, of course, we know now that that's not really what creatine does. And we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. Uh, that it's going to make them retain water. That's been a big concern. We can talk a little bit about why that's, um, you know, likely not the case, as, at least as well as if it's used correctly. Um, that it's only for men, which uh, certainly isn't true. And that leads into the other big question I have is, is, is creatine a hormone? And of course, it isn't. We'll talk a little bit about what it is here in a minute. That it's uh, not safe for the kidneys or the liver. Um, that uh, it's dangerous in other ways. And that, uh, again, it's really only used for muscle building. So those are kind of the, a lot of the big question marks that have come along. And I want to make sure that we, that anybody listening to this show today comes away with a understanding of, you know, what creatine really is, why it can be be potentially useful for just about anybody and why you don't need to fear all of those question marks. So with all of that preamble, uh, let's get into this. So what the heck is creatine, Nick? Explain it to us. Sure. So creatine is just a simple organic compound that is synthesized in our bodies. Um, and then we can also take it as a supplement. And that's probably one of the better ways to do it, just because we need to kind of maintain this consistent load you could say in our bodies but creatine is is an organic compound that's made up of three uh, amino acids so you've got arginine glycine and methionine and arginine and glycine are uh, non-essential amino acids that means our body can produce these amino acids you know synthesize them in our body and then the methionine is an essential amino acid which means that we have to get that from our diet and so it's it is basically a you know, those three amino acids combine together chemically. And what it does is it carries a, a phosphate. So when we take creatine monohydrate or we, you know, make creatine in our body, in our liver, 
what it's doing is it's going into our muscle cells. About 80% of the creatine in our, found in our bodies is going to be in our uh, skeletal muscle cells. And then we have some in the heart. We have some in the liver, some in some of these other organs that have you know different metabolic processes. But its main function is, is just as a, an immediate source of a phosphate molecule to reanimate, I guess you could say, or rephosphorylate ADP into ATP. And, you know, probably a lot of your listeners already know what ATP is for those who don't or for those who are just kind of picking it up. Uh, ATP is kind of the energy currency of our cell. And so basically for every reaction, every movement of any anything that goes on in our body requires ATP. And what happens is you it's adenosine triphosphate. So you've got three little phosphates all in a row and our body will take one of those off. It'll break that bond that releases energy that gives us the energy for our cells to function, muscles to contract, the heart to contract, our brain to think all these things, you know, all of every process requires that breaking of that ATP bond. So then we're left with adenosine diphosphate, which is ADP. And in order for that to work again, we have to attach another phosphate molecule to that. And that is one of the big roles of creatine is for phosphocreatine to be able to donate that phosphate group very, very quickly to that ADP to then convert it back into ATP. So that way we can keep, you know, going about our workout or keep using our brains or, you know, for our heart to keep pumping. So, so more or less, that's what creatine is, is it is just a phosphate donor uh, to donate uh, phosphates to the ADP molecule. All right. And is this something that we're already making in our bodies then? Uh, it, it is something that we do make in our bodies. Uh, we do get a lot of it from our diet, but we can synthesize it. And there is a little bit of evidence that shows, and we can get into this. Um, I find it pretty interesting because a lot of people think of when they take a supplement, you know, maybe our body's going to downregulate something. And then if we quit taking, it's not going to function anymore. Or we'll mm-hmm. be lacking in that. But we do, we do naturally produce, we can produce creatine in the liver um, through a number of different metabolic processes. Again, we need those three amino acids, one of which we can only get from our diet. Um, but by supplementing with creatine, we can maintain kind of a consistent level. And there is some evidence that shows that if you kind of are consistently taking creatine, that eventually your body will downregulate its own mechanisms to continually synthesize creatine. But when you, if you were to stop supplementing with creatine, then those levels will come right back up. So it's not really an issue. It's not one of those things where it's like, if you quit taking it all of a sudden, you're not going to ever make it again. And you're going to be kind of, you know, out of luck or anything like that. But um, it is something that our bodies will will make if we need it. Um, but again, we we really need to be able to get the right amounts and the right ratios of those amino acids in our diet in order to uh, synthesize that at the levels that we really need it. All right. I like that uh, explanation. And, and I want to hit a couple of things based on what you just said. So first, um, it is important to understand that ATP is critical in every aspect of energy in the body. It's uh, yes, most of this creatine is concentrated in the muscles, 
But of course, the muscle makes up a tremendous percentage of the body. There's mm -hmm. a lot of ATP required in the muscles themselves. And, and you mentioned the heart, which in it of itself is a muscle and requires ATP. Um, but you also said that uh, the creatine, I, I, I want to kind of point this out, I guess, because one thing that natural minded people tend to uh, a, a, a type of logic that we tend to follow, I guess, is that if the body can do it on its own, then we don't need to supplement it. And yet we know mm -hmm. that in this world that we're in now, there's a variety of uh, a wide variety of challenges that we face that are a little different than what our ancestors were facing from, you know, everything from chemical toxicity to the types of stress that we're under to electromagnetic stress and, uh, you know, EMF and all these types of things that are new. Uh, there's all all sorts of things. And the food supply itself is a disaster compared to what it once was. And so now we find ourselves in, an, in a situation where supplementing is more critical than it's ever been before in human nutrition. And yet we also are stuck with trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we need to supplement? What don't we need to supplement? And I think I, I did a, a series of shows. I did about three of them uh, last year on mitochondria and mitochondrial function. And if we understand that the mitochondria mm -hmm. is the you know powerhouse of the cell as it's, as it's always been you know known to be, right? Uh, then we and we recognize that that's that a big chunk of what's happening at the mitochondrial level is ATP. Um, and we realize now that ATP function or sorry, mitochondrial function is challenged in the majority of people now because of all of these new stresses then it would make sense, logically, I think, that creatine might be one of the missing links to try and restore that function. And we do have studies, I believe, that indicate that mitochondrial function is improved in the presence of higher creatine levels. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you really nailed it with um, the fact that so many of us have uh, issues with mitochond mitochondrial function. I mean, it's implicated in numerous different um, autoimmune disorders, Parkinson's disease, a lot of different dementias, uh, which Parkinson's is a, a type of dementia. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is really important. And, um, you know, the mitochondria being the place where ATP is, is generated in the cells, you know, if we can kind of give anything, uh, you know, a little bit of an extra boost um, or kind of take some of the pressure off the mitochondria in a sense by having that creatine there then you're ready to go another thing that's really important that you kind of mentioned that i would like to maybe elaborate on a little bit is talking about you know needing to supplement you know you could make an argument and plenty of people probably do make this argument that like oh well you know our bodies produce creatine so we don't necessarily need to supplement with it we'll be fine the problem with that logic is in this particular case anyway because again, it's going to be different for every everything that we look at. Is for creatine to really function in its in, in its kind of best and peak way, we really need to kind of saturate the cells, uh, specifically our muscle cells. You know, um, and again, this is where like the the idea that like oh, only athletes really need to take this um, comes from is that it is really important in muscle cells, especially when we're doing any type of anaerobic exercise, but you really need to get the best effect. You really need to saturate that cell 
with creatine. And that's just not something that you're going to get from eating, uh, you know, from just your diet. You know, the best two natural sources or dietary sources of, of creatine are going to be in beef and fish. And so anybody that's a vegetarian, that's automatically going to, you know, make it much, much harder for them to have the adequate levels mm -hmm. of creatine. Anybody that, you know, you know, I don't eat a lot of red meat. There's a, a lot of, you know, information out there that says that, you know, the amount of red meat that we eat is bad. And that's a whole nother story of whether or not, you know, that's accurate or not. But that's a, a story that has been told for many, many years, you know, based on the levels of saturated fat. So, you know, automatically, we're kind of never going to really achieve the amount of creatine saturation in the cells that we need not only in our muscle cells or not only in our skeletal muscle cells, but also in our smooth muscle cells, like our heart. And then also think of the energy needs of our brains. Like our brains require so much energy to function because again, every thought that you have, there are probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of ATPs being, you know, burned up, you know, and needing to be reconverted in just in, you know, our brains alone on a minute by minute, second by second basis. And so the, the idea that like, sure, if you, you know, want to just live, then yeah, maybe you don't necessarily need to supplement with creatine. If you really want to thrive and, you know, especially if you have some of these mitochondrial dysfunctions or a whole host of other things that we'll talk about uh, during our discussion today, then, you know, supplementing with creatine is uh, probably one of the easiest and cheapest ways to go about, you know, really improving our health. Yeah, and stay tuned till the end of the show because uh, Nick and I are going to wrap up with exactly how to utilize this um, uh, and, you know, how it's used, how much is used, when to take it, how often to take it, all of that stuff we're going to answer at the end. So if you're wondering, you know, those details, we'll, we'll get into that uh, as we go. I think that the the key thing here is th that might be another concern that that uh, maybe we even brought up a little bit by talking uh, going along this this uh, line of thinking is okay but what if because we have a lot of people now that are um, eating more red meat they're reading that you know maybe a carnivore diet or a keto diet mm -hmm. or something like that is is a good way to go and and i have up to this point refused to um, assign an optimal diet to anybody uh, and uh, will continue to do so. <laughs> so, uh, but but so then we have a wide range of people, right? We have people that are intermittent fasting. We have people that are keto. We have people that are carnivore. We have people that are vegan. We have you know everything in between. People doing whole thirty and you know name the diet, right? And there's a thousand of them out there that people are yeah. subscribed to. Um, but what if somebody's eating plenty of red meat um, and uh, and and you know maybe more than the average America? you know, are we going to get too much creatine? And, and, and I'm going to answer my own question, but I'll take your thoughts on it as well. And that is that I don't think this is a compound we can get too much of, right? It's not like there are things that we can overdose on, right? You can get too high in some uh, minerals, for instance, uh, some fat-soluble vitamins you can go too high on. There are a r wide range of things that we can, you know, for lack of a better term, OD on, not maybe to the point of uh, significant concern, uh, but uh, where, you know, too much is not a good thing. And when you look at ATP and you look at mitochondrial function, 
and you look at the stressors that our bodies are under, especially when we look at the mental stresses that we're under that are truly unique to our time. When you look at the uh, the noise, I did a show on noise versus silence uh, not too long ago and talking about the power of, you know, just being still and quiet and not having all the bombardments that are happening. All of that creates a tremendous amount of stress. And because of the type of life that we lead and the lifestyle that we have, it feels to me like creatine and anything that will increase ATP uh, is more important than it's ever been. Yeah. And, and I mean, you touch on so many things that I want to uh, <laughs> also comment on. I saw a lot of head nodding. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I also did, I was going to say, I'll start with this. This is the lowest hanging fruit. I really did love that podcast that you did on silence. It was, uh, I think, the first one you did when you came back. But um, anyway, well, moving, on, moving on from there. Um, yeah, you know, even in some of the clinical studies that they've done, they've done huge doses of creatine. Um, and they have really never found any, uh, you know, serious side effects or serious uh, adverse issues, adverse events or any serious safety issues. Um as, as far as, you know, if somebody's getting, you know, living on the carnivore diet and they're eating, you know, strictly red meat, it is something, and I don't remember right off the top of my head exactly what it is, but it is, it's actually quite considerable. Like you would have to be eating, I think it was like close to 20 pounds of red meat in order to fully saturate your cells with creatine, which nobody is going to, I mean, you know, not even your biggest bodybuilder guy is is going to be eating that much red meat right. or that much fish you know and so they're still not even going to be able to fully saturate their cells as they would be able to um, if they were just supplementing with the creatine monohydrate and you know again there haven't been any like all of the clinical trials that have been done on safety of creatine and and these things nobody's ever really been able to clearly demonstrate that there are any like major safety risks with even some really considerably high doses over, you know, a really long period of time. Yeah, and 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 that's I think one of the big things that I hope people come away from this show with is is a lack of concern about safety because creatine. We didn't talk about this, but we talked about it before we hit record. There's like fifty thousand plus clinical trials that have been done on creatine. It may be the most studied uh, supplement. Uh, in history. Uh, we're not exactly sure. Nobody's keeping track of that, I don't think, but it's way up there yeah. along with things like omega-3 and that kind of thing. And what the studies conclusively tell us is this stuff really works and there's really not a lot of cause for concern. Yeah. So let's talk about some details of some things that creatine uh, can do that maybe people don't assign to creatine, some of the benefits that aren't typically assigned to creatine. And I'm going to start with a, just a little story that happened at Vitality Nutrition uh, 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe now. My gosh, time flies. Anyway, uh, I, by and large, up to that point, creatine was primarily used by people who were trying to build more muscle in the gym, anaerobic activity, weight training, resistance training, that sort of thing. Um, there were not, there were athletes that were using it, but typically athletes that were looking to build bulk like football players, uh, and that sort of thing. It wasn't nearly as used. In fact, it was 
frankly shunned in the um, athletic community that was primarily into endurance training, like triathletes and uh, swimmers and runners and cyclists and things like that. At Vitality, uh, for people that um, aren't uh, you know familiar with the area or aren't familiar with cycling uh, very much, uh, we're just a couple hours uh, south of a race called the Lodaja race, uh, Logan to Jackson, which is a 200-plus mile bike race. And it's an intense race. Like, you you don't just sign up for this like you do a 5K. This is a real deal that uh, will will crush you if you're not prepared. And I've never done it, but I've talked to lots and lots of my customers over the years that have. In fact, I became associated for a short time with the guy that had set the record uh, for um, uh, the fastest time three years running uh, in the Lotus. I got to know him quite well. And... You know, he's one of these guys that uh, was, you know, the uh, hyper focused on bike racing. Right. I mean, that's what he did. You don't get to that level uh, without being really, really good at it and really, really focused on, you know, taking every edge that you can get. And he was introduced to me through a mutual friend. And he said, well, you know, this is what I do supplement-wise. What am I missing, essentially, was the question he asked me. And I said, why aren't you using creatine? And he said, because creatine's a terrible idea for endurance athletes. Everything I've ever heard says that it can dehydrate you. It makes you hold on to you know, excess water. It's hard on the kidneys and all these things. And truth be told, if you really, really do creatine wrong, some of that stuff can potentially happen. But a lot of that is wrapped up in the old belief that loading creatine was the way to go, 20, 25, 30 grams a day. Uh, so you can get the creatine in your system faster, get that muscle saturation that you were talking about, Nick, um, you know, faster. And yes, you'll get there faster if you load it, but there's no really great evidence that I'm aware of. And you can correct me if, if you've seen something that I haven't seen that indicates that you ever need to load creatine. You'll just wait a little longer to get your optimal results if you don't mm -hmm. load it. Is that how you yeah. understand it yeah yeah that's that's everything that i've seen is that you know there are a lot of studies where they do like 20 30 grams a day for a week um and i think that was kind of the prevailing wisdom a long time ago was to long, do long time way. ago yeah um, but a, a lot of the time that's going to lead to some maybe some gastrointestinal upset you know different things like that where yeah. yeah like you said if you just you know kind of take a maintenance dose start out with that and kind of keep it going you know yeah maybe you're you'll hit you won't hit those gains in week one, but you'll hit those gains in week two. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's been my experience. People get there almost as quickly without loading, without any of the potential negatives. But that there was a time when endurance athletes like this gentleman were like, absolutely no, creatine's a really bad idea. So I sat him down and I explained to him what I understood about creatine back then, which was a lot, but not as much as I understand now. I can continue to learn more. Um, and I said, I'm telling you, you can do it and it will improve your uh, your uh, performance. And uh, he, he decided to take me at my word and give it a run. And this guy was pretty influential, as you can imagine, in the community of uh, people, you know, racing Lodija. And we even did a, a couple of little seminars together with a bunch of uh, in, invited a bunch of you know cyclists in to listen. And and um, that spurred me to create a supplement that was specifically for endurance athletes that did create or did contain creatine. And we had like this revolution 
it was really wild. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of guys, mostly Ironmen, uh, triathletes, and Lodija racers. Those were the two groups that were coming in that, you know, kind of through the grapevine had heard that there was this thing that might be really, really great for these guys. And I won't go into detail on what the supplement contained and everything. That supplement's long gone, actually, now because I think that, well— there's been improvements since then. This was a great supplement for its time 15 years ago, but there's yeah. better stuff now. It's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. And But my gosh, people loved this stuff. And for the most part, these were guys who had never used creatine or at least had not used it in conjunction with their endurance training and suddenly were saying, I'm breaking my own personal records. This stuff is really making a big improvement. And it really kind of blew the doors off of it for them and also for me because – I believed that endurance athletes would really improve their game with creatine, but I hadn't hardly seen any of it because the vast majority of them back then weren't using it. So I tell that story not only to uh, impress upon you that any type of athletics, creatine is a win, but also to kind of crack the door open to all of the other really cool, what I'll call quote unquote side benefits that creatine has because of its primary benefit, which is making more ATP. So let's talk about those side benefits. I talked about something that I discovered years ago that I'd never even heard. And when I say years ago, this is probably 10 years ago now. I did my first show on something called sarcopenia. And when I mentioned sarcopenia to people at Vitality, almost without exception, I think maybe one person has ever understood what that was when I first mentioned it. It's just something that flies under the radar uh, and we never talk about. Yet we talk about osteoporosis, which I consider its cousin all the time. Mm -hmm. And there is some research, some really good, compelling research that sarcopenia, which I just call osteoporosis of the muscles, because it makes it easy for people to understand. Muscle breakdown, muscle wasting, that kind of thing. And it happens to all of us as we age. We get less and less capacity to maintain the muscle mass that we have earned up to that point, we'll say. And the evidence that creatine can support the muscle in such a way that even if you're not an athlete, you're just able to maintain the muscle that you already have, which then you know, we talk about the musculoskeletal system. It is a system, a strong muscular frame supports a strong um, uh, bone density and, and, and uh, skeletal frame and vice versa. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that first, Nick, before I continue? Yeah, um, I, I fully agree with you. And I mean, there is like you said, there is some some evidence out there that shows that it actually does, you know, help us kind of prevent that ongoing kind of muscle wasting or the ongoing sarcopenia. Uh, at the company that I work for, we, you know, collaborate a lot with a, a you know, pretty well-known doctor. She's, uh, her, she's been on your show before, Dr. Pamela Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, she absolutely raves about creatine and thinks that every woman, you know, over 45 should be taking creatine every day to prevent just that, you know, as, as we age, you know, women go through menopause men go through andropause, kind of a similar thing, a little bit different in the way that it manifests. Um, but just those hormonal changes as, as we, you know, progress throughout life, you know, have an effect on the way that our bodies are able to maintain and build uh, skeletal muscle. And so 
by taking creatine and then also I don't think it's one of those things that you can only take creatine, especially as you age um, and expect to kind of maintain those gains. I think you still do need to do some exercise. Oh, you know, for you sure. can't, like for you sure. can't just take creatine and sit on the couch and, and, you know, eat potato chips and watch, you know, whatever show or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, you still need to be active. Um, but it does, you know, it does show. And I mean, uh, you know, it makes sense, you know, in a lot of ways, just in the way that creatine works. And then again, there is some evidence that shows um, that, you know, it is able to kind of prevent some of those losses as we, as we age. And then um, kind of in a related aspect, something that I was, you know, recently learned um, is also uh, sarcopenia is very common thing with uh, chronic liver disease. And so, you know, we, with the way that we eat our diet, these days, you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is becoming more and more prevalent in the, you know, at least in the U.S. population, uh, I would imagine worldwide as well. And, um, you know, that also will lead to muscle wasting based on a number of different metabolic pathways that happen in the liver um, that then again lead to that muscle wasting, the sarcopenia. And there is, again, some, some new evidence um, you know, and maybe some emerging evidence that shows that creatine may actually benefit that in the specific case of chronic liver disease as well. So, yeah, and, and the list kind of goes on and on, and and again, it it's almost entirely because of what creatine does at the mm-hmm. ATP level. You know, helping to generate more of this energy that our body needs to do all of its functions. I mean, literally all of its functions. Um, it, it, that, that require energy, require ATP to, to um, you know, get the job done, we'll say. So when we talk about this sarcopenia thing, there's a couple of things that I think are important. With women, there's, uh, there are, are multiple studies, uh, one in particular that I, I read that had postmenopausal women uh, using five grams of creatine per day uh, and resistance training uh, that showed an increase in bone density and an increase in muscle strength. Now, you said it, Nick, you said it really, really well, and that is you can't just take creatine and sit on the couch and listen, you know, watch a show and eat potato chips or whatever and expect to maintain all your muscle mass. Truth be told, I think you'll maintain more muscle mass if you do that and take creatine (laughs) than if you didn't take creatine, right? But there's more to it than that, right? And if you are, I mean, just, you know, public service announcement really quick. If you are going to just sit on the couch and veg the most healthy thing you can do is listen to Vitality Radio if you're doing that. So just putting that out there, okay? And if you take creatine, we're going to talk about this in a minute, you'll understand what you heard on Vitality Radio even better. Uh, We're going to talk about what it does for brain power here in a second, which is pretty cool. But, you know, all kidding aside, um, almost all the studies that I've seen on creatine, and there's only 50,000 of them, so I haven't read them all, right? But almost all the studies I've seen on creatine combine creatine with resistance training. Uh, you're utilizing the muscle and giving the muscle the fuel that it needs to be utilized more efficiently, essentially, and to rebuild. But you know what? One of the biggest complaints that I hear from women who are in that perimenopause, menopausal, postmenopausal time, and we talked about this in detail with Pamela Peak, you know, not too long ago on Vitality Radio, they, they don't love the hot flashes. They don't love the mood shifts. They don't love uh, the night sweats. There's a lot of these things they don't love. But you know what? I think I hear more complaints about than anything else is they don't love that little bit of extra pudge that comes with it. The extra 5, 10, 15 pounds uh, that sometimes uh, starts to creep up on them at that point. 
And so when we when we think muscle uh, maintenance, prevention of sarcopenia, and bone density maintenance uh, and rebuilding and all that kind of stuff, I think we also need to talk about body composition and recognize that creatine aids in overall body composition. There's excellent, like deep and detailed studies indicating that you will maintain lower body fat percentage, which means a higher muscle mass percentage um, with creatine and exercise than without creatine. And creatine, this is important too, because they've done many double-blind placebo-controlled studies with people just exercising or exercising and supplementing five grams of creatine per day. And the results are clearly in favor of the group that's using the creatine along with the exercise. And so if you're concerned about your body composition and how much fat you're holding as a percentage of your total weight, creatine for the win again in that department. So I think that's really, really important. Um, also, this is also really critical. And, and uh, I, I uh, actually heard this just right before we sat down to record the show. They have done studies. There's so many studies on creatine at all ages and both male and female and different uh, populations in terms of ethnicity as well. It seems to be as universal of a thing as there is. They can't really find a group of people that doesn't do the things that we're talking about doing. So regardless of whether you're a teenager or a 75-year-old male or female or whatever, in fact, there's even been studies, believe it or not, I don't know if you knew this, Nick, and I know I'm, I'm hogging up too much of the microphone time here. Oh, it's your show. You get to do that. <laughs> it is my show. That's right. And don't you forget it. <laughs> but uh, they've done studies on pregnant women with creatine. They never do studies on pregnant women. Like that's a like a big no-no for the most part, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mostly we're told don't do anything if you're pregnant, right? Don't, don't take any of this stuff. There's very, very few things that they've done studies on with pregnancy, but they've actually shown that it improves outcomes uh, in pregnancy, multiple different outcomes for the mother and for the child. So really interesting stuff there. When you talk about a wide range of population they've studied it on, right? Yeah. Even uh, even prenatal. So really cool stuff there. Um, let's talk about the brain health thing, because I think maybe I don't get any question more than this nowadays. You know, how do I lift my brain fog? How do I help my cognitive function? How do I prevent dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all these types of things? What do we know about that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I just did a, a big deep dive into the research on this. Um, specifically in terms of, of cognitive health, cognitive function, mental acuity, all of the things, all things related to cognition and brain, you know, a, a couple months ago. Um, and I found some really interesting studies when I, when I looked through that. Kind of most recently, there was just a big meta-analysis uh, that was published uh, just last year that looked at kind of all of the studies throughout the years that have been published on, you know, creatine and, and, um, cognitive function. And it found, you know, some pretty interesting results. Um, again, you know, they, they pretty much just looked at, again, uh, randomized clinical trials as most meta-analyses do. Um, but they did find some really, you know, profound results. And then especially when they stratified, so they, they looked at everybody, like populations, whether they were young or old, um, you know, vegetarians versus meat eaters, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of included everybody into this meta analysis, but then they did, um, some interesting subgroup analyses, uh, that looked at, you know, subpopulations. So 
let's stratify these groups by, uh, you know, older versus younger. Let's stratify them by whether they eat meat or if they're vegetarian. And they found kind of across the board that older people with, in, in terms of cognitive function, older people tended to have more significant results, stronger, more noticeable results in cognitive function than did, say, you know, a 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, they also found that in terms of cognition, again, uh, that people who consumed a vegetarian diet also tended to do better and have better outcomes uh, and more better, like more significant, better results uh, than people who consumed meat. Again, probably lending uh, in terms of um, not only to with the factor of age, you know, are all of our body functions uh, kind of degrade over time and mm-hmm. we're not producing enough creatine, you know, as we age, our liver function decreases, you know, which is where our body's going to naturally produce creatine. We're not eating as much as we did when we were, you know, at our, you know, peak age of whatever, 30 and you're out, you know, climbing mountains and things like that. Um, and just all those receptors kind of tend to decline, which is another really important reason why to continue to supplement creatine, especially as we age. Um, but kind of the proposed mechanisms of action or what they think it is, again, going back to creatine being a phosphate donor and kind of re-phosphorylating uh, the ADP into ATP is that we're just giving our brains that much more energy right away. We don't have to wait, you know, for those metabolic processes to kind of go through all their steps. That process of dephosphorylating the creatine phosphate um, and adding that phosphate group to that ADP to make ATP is almost instantaneous. It's pretty much faster than our body can do it itself, which is why that pathway exists. And so, you know, when we're able to, you know, give our brain that much more energy kind of that, you know, as quickly as we possibly can through that um, chemical pathway, uh, you know, it just helps increase all of those outcomes. I mean, they found things, you know, as as far as looking at some of the different outcomes that it it increased memory performance. Um, Also, just like a mental acuity on a number of the different tests, the cognitive tests, that they look at, you know, um, matching tests and memory recall, verbal recall, you know, all these different kinds of cognitive battery tests. Um, They found, you know, pretty significant results. Again, probably a little bit better in older groups than in, you know, somebody that's 20 years old, 25 years old. Um, And then again, in vegetarians where they're not, you know, getting as much creatine or their bodies aren't making it and they're not getting it from their diet as much as, somebody would be um, who's eating meat. So, you know, two two groups that I would say that would really benefit um, just from a cognitive standpoint is anybody, again, that, you know, has um, any type of early onset demand, you know, any type of cognitive impairment, whether that's age-related or mitochondrial-related with like Huntington's, Parkinson's. You know, we mentioned that a, a little bit earlier in the show. Um, and then also just, again, you know, kind of moving forward as we age, I think creatine is just such a, a no brainer, uh, you know, pun somewhat intended, I guess, right. Um, you know, in, in order to, to supplement with, because there's just, the benefits are so numerous, especially as we age, um, you know, it just makes more and more sense. Yeah, I, I agreed. And, and, and it's 
pretty obvious, um, you know, why, you know, certain groups are going to benefit even more than other groups. And it has everything to do, it sounds like to me anyway, with just what's your level of deficiency, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you've got someone who's really low in vitamin D and you up their vitamin D, they're going to notice it a lot more than if someone was already at the optimal level or near the optimal level of vitamin D. And the same thing could be said about creatine. So people who are, and, and let's talk about that a little bit. Maybe you're not vegetarian, but maybe you've got a child uh, who is a you know picky eater that you, nobody ever that doesn't ever happen right yeah. uh, you've got a kid who you know th they're they're stuck on mac and cheese and dino nuggets or whatever it is that they're eating and you're wondering you know what can I do to supplement this child's uh, you know nutrition and of course there are all kinds of options that we know about for you know increasing their you know veggies and fruits and things like that everything from gummies to powders to you know uh, you know well, all kinds of things where we concentrate that stuff and give it to them. But maybe even creatine, you know, makes sense in that department too, particularly if they're not one who eats much red meat, um, which is unfortunately, I think, a pretty common thing that I hear uh, mm -hmm. with, with kids is they're not getting, you know, as much of that. And that's going to be our primary dietary source of creatine. And so maybe, you know, a, a gram or two of creatine and you would just dose that based on, on body weight. But that's one of the things that is so cool about creatine is that, like I say, it's even been studied all the way down to a pregnant woman uh, and and they're not finding issues. And so, you know, children, teens, adults, the older you get, I would absolutely say the higher the need. Uh, and there are lots of studies that start at 50 years old, 60 years old, even 70 years old. I did a I did a show on sarcopenia years ago I talked about earlier. And I, I didn't dig that up. I should have dug it up for this show. But uh, my recollection of it is, and I've re repeated this enough that I, th I think I have a pretty good feel for what this study said, was basically they gave creatine five grams. And this is interesting, Nick, because I do remember clearly this study had was a study that was only supplementing creatine, no additional exercise. Okay. Yeah. And the, the one thing I can't remember is if the population was over 60, 65, or 70, but it was in that range. Uh, and it was male and female. And what they had them do is they had them just gauge their, uh, essentially rate their ability to do just real normal stuff around the house, up and down stairs, up and down out of a chair. Um, I believe um, uh, they had them carrying uh, laundry baskets, you know, things like that. Just your standard run-of-the-mill stuff that you've got to get done every day inside your home. And they added five grams of creatine, and within seven days, uh, there was improvement in every single marker of ability and capacity to do those simple household chores just by supplementing five grams of creatine without any additional other intervention, which is pretty fascinating. But it speaks to what you just said, Nick, about how it's like this instantaneous thing, right? We get the ADP, convert to ATP, bam, more energy to do the things we need to do. Mm -hmm. And there really, are really a lot cool. of studies, you know, not to say that, you know, that there isn't evidence out there that shows that supplementing creatine without, you know, anaerobic exercise or going and weightlifting or, you know, these really intense VO2 max trials, mm -hmm. things like that, you know, there is evidence out there that shows that just supplementing creatine, like you said, is going to just help with kind of, you know, daily energy levels and like uh, energy expenditure and feeling less fatigued and less brain fogged and, you know, but the, the overwhelming evidence does show that like if you are doing, you know, some type of weight training, resistance exercise, you know, more intense exercise, the, the, those benefits just compound much, much 
faster and much higher, you know, than if you were just supplementing creatine alone. But I mean, yeah, there is definitely benefit to supplementing creatine regardless of, you know, if you are out there, you know, you know, going for a run once a week, or, you know, if you are sitting on the potato, you know, or sitting on the, the couch, you know, eating, <laughs> being a potato, <laughs> being a potato, eating dino nuggets and mac and right. cheese. You know? Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so the, the point is creatine, even if you're not optimizing it, you know, with exercise still has benefit, but obviously it's like anything else, right? If you ask somebody, you, you know, you ask me, how do you lose weight? I talk about diet and exercise, yeah. uh, right. And, and one without the other is still good. Both are better. Right. And we can definitely look at creatine and exercise in that way. So there are a few other things that I think are really fascinating about creatine. Um, there are some really good studies now that indicate that it has a natural anti-inflammatory benefit. There's even one study I just recently heard about, recently like this morning, uh, heard about that indicated that uh, in some uh, individuals, daily creatine was as effective for pain and inflammation as NSAID drugs. That's going to be your over-the-counter you know, aspirins, ibuprofens, uh, naproxen-type drugs. Uh, that's wild, especially when you consider this. Um, there's really good evidence that creatine also enhances the strength and integrity of the gut lining. And of course, NSAIDs do quite the opposite, uh, eroding the gut lining. And so you get this really cool two for one there where you're building uh, the integrity of your gut, helping to fend off things like leaky gut or potentially repair things like leaky gut, as opposed to tearing it apart with something like an inset. The doctor I was listening to um, on uh, on YouTube indicated that, and, and he's a fantastic, uh, I, I've vetted this guy, he knows his stuff. I, I, I watch a lot of his stuff. And uh, he indicated that um, the uh, in his uh, patient group that uh, he has actually seen people be able to either eliminate uh, the daily need of NSAIDs that are dealing with chronic pain or reduce the dose significantly, both of which are a huge win because even a reduction of, say, 50% on your ibuprofen use plus the creatine, which is going to help to protect against some of the damage that ibuprofen could potentially do. Again, another big win for creatine. Another one that I thought was really fascinating, autoimmune disease. Um, creatine appears to have immunomodulating effects. Uh, it downregulates toll-like receptors, which are going haywire when we're having an autoimmune response, such as rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, and so on. So creatine should definitely, I think, be considered in the autoimmune uh, crowd. Um, cardiovascular health, remember the heart is a muscle. Uh, creatine nourishes and feeds uh, the muscle's capacity to generate energy. So creatine makes a lot of sense there. And this one, I'll say mostly for the ladies, uh, along with what we talked about with menopause, Believe it or not, there are studies showing that creatine um, enhances the production of collagen and can indeed decrease fine lines and wrinkles, uh, which is something I'd never heard about before. They're even not now starting to study creatine as a topical, uh, where they're rubbing it on the skin and seeing benefits in that way. But this doctor indicates that he believes using it internally would probably have the same effect over time. So really yeah. interesting, cool set of, again, side benefits based on what creatine uh, does inside the body. And yeah, I mean, there are so many things. And like you mentioned, you know, there are so many studies out there that, you know, 
I am definitely no expert on creatine by any means. You know, I, I do research for a living. I, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about, but, um, you know, I always love, this is one of the reasons I love coming on your shows because I think I learn just as much, uh, from you as you do from me and your, you know, your listeners from me as well. So. Well, and that's why I love doing the show. I always learn stuff. It's fantastic. It's a really good way to continue. I consider it like continuing education for myself uh, because uh, I, I learned a long time ago that uh, when I first started doing this show 16 years ago, that um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good, uh, confident, comfortable public speaker. Um, and if I can see my crowd, I can speak to that crowd and I can read their reactions and I can, you know, kind of read the room, so to speak. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, it took a while. I wasn't, but I became that way. But when I started speaking into just a microphone and imagining how people were, <laughs> were responding to what I was saying, not knowing if they were turning up the volume or changing the channel, you know, that sort of thing. It was like, okay, if I'm going to do this show, I need to spend enough time educating myself before I do the show. So I don't sound like a moron when I turn on the microphone. Right. And uh, it's been this real blessing in my life doing this show because I spend so many hours preparing for the show that I always get smarter. And then having people like yourself and all these other wonderful guests that grace me with their time, it's just been – this show is as much a blessing for me as it ever has been for anybody else. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so I promised at the beginning that we'd talk about how to use creatine effectively. Uh, so let's get into that because we are running out of time here. So we know that uh, creatine – is most of the research uh, is indicated that about five grams seems to be a, a, an optimal dose for most people of what is known as creatine monohydrate, okay? Now, creatine monohydrate comes a bunch of different ways. Primarily, though, it comes in powder. That's what, how most people consume it. It's a white powder. It has virtually no taste to it, so it's pretty easy to, uh, uh, to take. You can mix it in water, juice, sprinkle it in food if you want. There's all kinds of different ways you can use it. Um, one scoop per day. Uh, which is about a heaping teaspoon um, if your you know bottle doesn't come with a scoop. There, the, the one word of warning I would say on creatine is um, it's a very, very commonly used supplement. It's one of the most uh, popular supplements in the world. There are a million companies that produce creatine and a bunch of different uh, you know raw material suppliers. And the bulk of creatine uh, is coming out of China now. Uh, used to be most of it was coming out of Japan or Germany, but most of it's coming out of China now. And not everything that comes out of China is bad, but we do have to be a little bit more cautious uh, when it comes to what we're using. So the key is to look for a micronized creatine. So it's a, a very small um, you know, molecular size so that the body can uh, break it down more efficiently. Uh, and I, we carry a few brands as all at Vitality Nutrition, including the Zao brand, which is one of the brands that uh, is represented under Nick's company. Um, and they even make it in a gummy. Heck, if you want a gummy, if you if, and for kids, I think the gummy's a great idea because they don't need as much anyway. So one gummy for kids is probably a pretty good dose for smaller kids, maybe two or three for older kids. Um, but uh, the powder, that micronized powder is a big deal. And just from a brand you can trust, I've vetted the brands that I carry. I know the quality of the brands. And so I'm confident telling you that anything you find on the Vitality Nutrition website or at our store is going to be a good quality brand, uh, including, of course, the Zao brand, which is another wonderful uh, local Utah company. So make sure you get a good brand, five grams a day. Uh, Nick, what do we know about how to take it? Does it matter what time of day, if it's with food, not with food, all that sort of thing? So there's, you know, I've seen a lot of different research on, on you know, whether to take it with food between meals. 
things like that. I I don't feel like I've seen anything specific that show that you need to, you know, that there's any huge benefit taking it one way or the other. Um, to me, it seems like that, you know, more often than not, something like that. Like, um, I, I think you could maybe let, let's let me take a step back. So one of the side effects, maybe one of the more common commonly noted side effects in studies is gastrointestinal upset. Usually those are in studies where people are taking huge doses, like 20, 30 grams um, at a time. So I would say with, you know, a three to five gram dose, um, I would even go maybe even a little bit lower than what you just recommend. Like if you're not, you know, doing hardcore athletic performance stuff, I think three grams from what I've seen in the studies is probably sufficient. You know, if you are trying to get some of those athletic gains, you know, build some muscle mass, um, you know, get that really like the extra muscular performance during anaerobic exercise. That's where I would say like maybe that five gram dose would, would be sufficient. Um, but as far as just kind of when to take it, I mean, I think like you said, mixing it into a smoothie, mixing it into a protein shake or in a, a meal, you know, it doesn't have a ton of flavor, done a ton of taste or texture or anything like that to it. It dissolves readily, you know, um, so, I mean, I, I would say, you know, probably getting it, uh, in between meals is going to get it into your bloodstream a little bit faster, but that being said, if you do have maybe a more of a sensitive stomach, something along those lines, or if you notice just when you take it and you start to get a little bit of gastrointestinal upset, um, you know, then it might be wiser to try, you know, taking it with the meal or, you know, with some other type of food that you can get into your stomach. So that, that way it's not just like creatine and water kind of floating around in there, you know, doing its thing. Yeah. And, and, it, and I would agree with all of that based on what I've seen, there's a bunch of different ways they've dosed it, but there doesn't seem to be a magic way to do it. The big yeah. thing seems to be that saturation and maintaining the level, meaning that, and, and, and we'll talk about athletics just really quick and we are running low on time. So we'll hustle this up, but, um, a lot of athletes think they need to take it right before they exercise. There's absolutely no validity to that thought. It seems to make sense, but it's a saturation thing. As long as the creatine is on board when the muscles are needed, then it's on board. So it's daily use consistently at whatever dose you decide works for you. And and I, I would tend to agree three to five grams. If you're a, a much bigger guy, maybe even six or seven grams, you can kind of play around in that mm-hmm. because body size does matter with this. If you're a smaller woman uh, or a smaller guy, you know, less is probably fine. Um, I personally, for what it's worth, take five grams a day just based on the bulk of the studies and my body size thinking that's probably about right for me. Um, and uh, and then just taking it consistently every single day. Uh, that That's the big, big key here. And um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I wanted to hit one more thing that was in my notes because people are going to love this. This is kind of a cool little thing that we didn't touch on, Nick. We sort of glossed over it uh, when we were talking about, uh, you know, brain health, but also we'll say mental health. Um, There are some really good emerging studies and research showing that uh, it is a powerful fighter of depression. In fact, Mm -hmm. uh, one, excuse me, specific study that I looked up prior to doing the show today was that it showed um, five grams of creatine per day, a two times rate of improvement in reducing depression symptoms uh, at five grams per day. That's huge for someone, you know, dealing with that. And of course, 
if we talk about, again, creatine and exercise, and we recognize that exercise also has a massive impact on depression, then talk about a one-two punch for mental health, uh, creatine and exercise, fantastic, right? Especially if you exercise outside uh, and get all those benefits as well. So there's, we could talk another, well, there's 50,000 studies on creatine. We could go all day. We could go all month. <laughs> We'd never get to all of them. Uh, exactly. But uh, I'm going to let you uh, have the last word here real quick, Nick. Anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, I mean, I, I think we definitely covered a, a lot of good things, but I would reiterate the, the consistency with this one is probably more key than with a lot of other supplements. You know, if you skip a couple of days of vitamin C or something like that, you know, like um, you're still getting a lot of it from your diet, different things like that. Um, but it, it, you know, it does show in a lot of the studies that like, well, as soon as you quit taking creatine, those, that saturation level immediately starts to drop. Um, and then, yeah, just being really consistent. And then also again, I mean, I say this with every supplement, the key to, to, you know, being able to trust whether or not the supplement you're taking is efficacious is doing something is quality brands, somebody that you trust, somebody that's testing there. It's not a fly by night company that you're just buying super cheap off Amazon, you know, um, go to your health food stores, uh, you know, talk to the people there, find out what brands are good. If you don't know, um, you know, cause a lot of the time, you know, I know you do, I've done this for years and years on my own. Um, you know, you got to vet the, the companies that you buy from, you know, just like you wouldn't, you know, want to go to the cheapest doctor just because they're cheap, you know, you're not going to want to get the cheapest supplement just because it's going to save you 50 cents because in the long run, you don't necessarily know what's in that. You might be taking just a pile of sawdust, you know? Yeah. Um, so definitely like buy from reputable companies, uh, the Zao brand, you know, they offer the the gummy um, and also the, the powder, um, both of which are really good ways to take it. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. And as you did make me come up with one other thing I got to say though. So I guess I'll get the last word here. Um, it is your show <laughs> with the, uh, you brought up a really important point that I wanted to share. Maybe the most exciting thing about creatine outside of all of this, you know, myriad benefits that we've just discussed is that it's a pretty cheap supplement to use, right? Mm -hmm. We get people ask me all the time, Nick, as you can imagine, and I imagine you get asked this question too, you know, where do I start with supplements? And I came up with my vital five that I talk about all the time that I think are kind of the big five that I think most of us would benefit from. Creatine would absolutely be in like the next five kind of category for me, where mm -hmm. it's so universal. It's it's not something you you need to take to be healthy, but it is something that is so potentially beneficial across the board that it makes sense that just about anybody, uh, you know, should potentially consider taking it or at least test it out and see. And one of the things that makes it so alluring is that it's not very expensive. Um, you know, a really good quality creatine is going to cost you less than 20 bucks a month. In many cases, even less than that, depending on your dose uh, and, and depending on the size of bottle that you buy. There's a bunch of little, you know, uh, caveats there. But, uh, you know, I was just looking across the selection that we have and I think it's in the neighborhood of like 10 to 16, 17 bucks a month, depending on what you're buying uh, yeah. for this fantastic supplement at that five grams a day. And if you're using less, it can be even less expensive than that. So then the question is, 
why would you cut a corner to save, you know, maybe two bucks a month or whatever it is on that supplement mm-hmm. um, when it's a product that's cheap to begin with, very, very economical to take. So get a good quality supplement, use it consistently, give it a good whirl. And remember this too, a lot of these studies, some of the best studies on creatine were done over like seven to 21 days. It doesn't take long to kick in and start giving you some of these results. And so it's an easy thing to test and see how you feel. So that's the last word I'm going to share. Nick, uh, always great to have you on. I can't wait to do it again. I don't know what we're talking about next time, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. And for everybody listening, thank you so much once again for lending me your ear and uh, letting me uh, talk about what I'm so passionate about here on Vitality Radio. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.